And welcome to another edition of The Dark Place. I'm your host, Adam, tonight. And we're going to be discussing the murder of Jaime Gall. Now, this is a very chilling and shocking. Um, so this case is not for the faint of heart. And uh, if, if you're disturbed easily... You may need to um, tune out for this episode. That being said, thank you for joining. So tonight we're going to be discussing the murder of Jaime Gall, or Jamie, some of his friends called called him, and the... Uh, the disturbing case of a young killer, Michael Hernandez. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about the, the case and uh, let you be the judge for yourself um, how to feel about this case. I had not heard of this case. I'd, I'd heard of this case before the um, before I decided to do it for this, this show, but... Listening to the interviews of of Michael Hernandez is actually very uh, detached from humanity, really, to be honest with you. So let's get into a little bit of the case of Michael Hernandez. It's a chilling and shocking example of the young individual driven by a dark fascination with serial killers. It, uh, it accumulated in a brutal act of violence on February 3rd, 2004 at the Southwood Middle School in Palmetto Bay, Florida. 14-year-old Michael Hernandez lured his classmate, Jaime Gall, into the bathroom where he mercilessly, mercil, that's, that's a tough, tough word to say, where he stabbed him multiple times, over 40 times. Now we're going to dive into the case a little bit, the motives behind Hernandez's actions, the aftermath of the crime, the trial proceedings, and the lasting impact this had on the community. So the crime is that of the murder of Jamie Gow. It sent shockwaves through the community, as he was brutally and premeditatively acted upon by Michael Hernandez. His motives was the uh, obsession with serial killers. He idolized them. Uh, later on, they, they find out within the investigation that he had a name, um, many, many names and notebooks of serial killers that he idolized. BTK... Ted Bundy, um, Charles Manson, a lot of these kind of things. And he had those written down and he idolized those. And he loved blood and gore and violence. He even had some kind of a, a, a violent and gory monster on his screensaver at, at, on, at class, during class. And it was reported to the teachers about it. Um, but he lured um, 
Jaime into the bathroom, stabbed him, like I said, multiple times, left him there to die. Now, I'm not really sure going into the case what you would think about this. You would think that maybe Jaime had, had wronged him, had, had been mean to him, had stolen from him, had somehow done something wrong to, I guess in Michael's mind, to justify this uh, action. But there wasn't. It was just the fascin fascination with serial killers and the fact that Jaime was the easiest person that Michael would be able to prey upon. He was the easiest victim of anyone that he knew. And he knew that Jaime, being his best friend, would follow him into the bathroom and go along with this plan that, that he had um, concocted. So, uh, the young teenager, Michael Hernandez, he dove into the uh, inf infamous murderers studying their methods and crimes. And uh, this uh, Macbeth interest fueled a dark desire within him, you know, that ultimately led to the murdering of his classmate. And, um, you know what? What's interesting is you can go online and you can watch the actual interrogation and it's really not that much of an interrogation as it is. Michael Hernandez is really proud and not no remorse. He, he wants to confess. He wants to tell the interrogating officer, this is what I did. This is how I did it. He's sitting there. He doesn't seem nervous. He seems proud. He's sitting up straight, posture, hands on the desk, taking command of the room, taking command of the conversation in Michael's eyes. Now, he probably didn't understand the ramifications of everything that he was discussing because there was no lawyer, his parents weren't there, but he was telling everything he did, how he did it, why he did it that he'd also planned to murder his friend Andre. Andre just happened not to be at school that day. But he but Michael says that the day before he tried to lure Andre and Jaime into the bathroom stall. Andre wouldn't do it, so therefore Michael aborted the mission and decided to try it on February 3rd. One day after, may I add, his 14th birthday. We'll talk about the uh, community impact. So the murder of Jamie Gall, it had a profound impact on the local community. The shock and the horror of the crime reverberated throughout the um, the school and beyond. Now, you know, I can't say that I actually remember this crime when it happened. But when I was going back and looking up teen murderers, teen killers, this was one that stood out to me. Um, and it sent, it's still to this day when you go back, it's it's shocking that, you know, this was a case like a lot of those, you could maybe go back and see how this, um, you know, how if, if we'd only kept closer attention. Now, that's true with this as well, in a way, because Michael Hernandez, he was a bully at school. He sometimes chased around kids with a screwdriver that he kept in his uh, book bag. 
He was known to, uh, like I said, bully. He says uh, in the inter- interview uh, to the officer that his friend or Andre did not cooperate, so therefore he had to pretty much uh, abort the mission. Now, uh, Michael uses the the term and the word cooperate, but that means it seems to me that if someone cooperates, it's not that they want to do whatever it is. I would never really say to my friend, "No, he didn't want to." You know, he he didn't. He didn't want to come out drinking with me tonight, but he just wouldn't cooperate. That's kind of an odd way to to say it, which leads me to believe that Michael was the the spokesperson of the group, of the three-person group between him, Andre, and Jaime. <clears throat> so uh, the trial, Michael Hernandez, his trial was in 2008 after he had been in juvenile for about four years. And it was a pivotal moment in the justice system. Despite his young age, he was charged as an adult for the murder of Jaime Gall. Legal experts and psychological, uh, psycho, uh, psychologists, excuse me, they testified presenting the arguments about the juvenile, um, potential for rehabilitation. But a lot of the uh, psychologists said that Michael was a case of a a possible serial killer in the making because he had had a notebook, like I'd mentioned earlier, but it kept names of potential victims also. So his, uh, I think his younger or older sister was also in the book, in the notebook, and there were many, many, names there, at least eight to ten names that I could find. Uh, now, obviously, my research didn't find all the names, but it did show that Michael did want to commit multiple murders. Now, he I don't want to say that he could, but he was so eager to to tell the officer how he did this and explain everything that I, I don't see how he could think any any other outcome could come of this other than ending up in jail. And he ended up spending more life in jail than he, than he did out, uh, out free, which is, which is really a shame, a shame if you think about, uh, not him per se, but just imagine, you know, being he, you know, a 31-year-old uh, man or woman, whichever, but you have spent 17 years of that behind bars for a crime you committed when you were 14 years old. Um, now, later on, they had come to the conclusion, the um, parts of the justice system, that it was um, he needed to be retried again since he was so young the first time. When he was retried, they found that he was guilty again and sentenced um Life plus 35 years in jail. The 35 years being attempted manslaughter of Andre. Um, now, Andre, we'll, we'll talk about Andre for a little bit. He he was also the third person in their uh, triangle of friends. And he didn't seem to be as easy of a target for Michael as Jaime here. And therefore, they're... You know, he, he survived, and this event made him want to go into law law enforcement. 
So to this very day, he is a law enforcement officer. And he, you know, he knows now, and he knew, you know, I guess whenever the interrogation came out, that he was inches from being another victim. Michael had even planned out how he was going to kill Andre, which was going to be stab him and choke him. So Michael had all these things planned out. And the death of Jaime Gall went exactly according to Michael's plan. Um, so the verdict in the sentencing, as we mentioned, after a thorough examination of the evidence and testimonies, the jury found Michael Hernandez guilty of first-degree murder. Given the gravity of the crime, he received a life sentence with, without the possibility of parole, and the decision drew attention to the debate surrounding the punishment and rehabilitation of juvenile offenders. Now, it seems like if it's just a, a juvenile offender, that would be one thing, but this was a, a massive, horrific crime that was planned out by a 13-year-old, if you think about it, because he said he had, in the interrogation that he had planned this for a little under a week. Well, he had you know, been, had his birthday the day before, 14 years old, so technically he was 13 when he planned this crime. So the lasting impact is the case of Michael Hernandez. It has had a lasting impact on the community, highlighting the potential darkness that can reside within even the youngest of individuals. So this was a very interesting case that I found um, sad. It was really a sad case. Um, Michael Hernandez had actually. Uh, we'll get a little. Let's get a little bit of a background information about Michael. So there's not a lot found about Michael or some of the the victims or the victim due to the the age, but the early life and the background that we know is he was born on April, uh, August fourteenth. 1986 in Kendall, Florida. Um, like I said, while the information about the early childhood is limited, it's essential to consider the potential influences in the circumstances that may have played a role in his development. Um, you know, his parents didn't really seem to find or seem to think that there was anything wrong at home. He, he was in the gifted program. He made A's and B's in his uh, in his activities, and he never really did seem to fall behind in school. He he didn't really seem to dress any way that would make you think that he was having these kind of thoughts, other than the um, I guess the the fascination with blood and gore. That was you know maybe the only signs that that his family might have seen at home. Now. You know, I don't have children, but I would say that, you know, if they're constantly watching nothing but, you know, The Hills Have Eyes or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Hostel or Saw, you know, if it's nothing but that 24-7 and maybe the bloody video games, that could have an impact, I'm sure, because you're having these images constantly being pumped and bombarded onto your psyche. Um, whether Do I know that that happened in this case? I do not know that. I do not know his activities at home. I do that, know that he did like 
horror movies, but I found no research to indicate that he was obsessed with them, only the bloody and gory images. Um, and I think that he had a fascination with serial killers. But you cannot use that fascination as justification for thinking that someone may commit a crime. Because I do have a small fascination with ser serial killers, murderers, teen killers, uh, mass shooters. But does that make me a prime suspect that someone that might go out and do this? Not necessarily. There's you know hundreds, uh, probably thousands of documentaries that are on Netflix and Hulu and all these others. Um, you know, documentaries about serial killers, mass shooters, murderers, even this case we're talking about. So I wouldn't necessarily blame anything on that. I think it um, it's probably a lot of factors. Probably uh, the psyche of Michael Hernandez. Um, it de just depends on how young he was when he developed this fascination with the serial killer. When he developed this idea in his mind that he wanted to commit the murder when he developed the not only the idea, but just the idea of I'm going to take the steps in order to put myself in the position where I can commit this murder. He asked his mother to get gloves the night before for a science project. He used those for the murder. He made a, um, a compartment in his book bag so he could take and slip in the, the murder weapon in case it was, he was searched. So he premeditated this murder, but yet at the first signs of questioning, he spills the beans and gives everything up. So that's pretty interesting in that regard as well. Um, it's been asked, did he have a head injury? Now, there's not been any head injury uh, that I can find in any research that I've done. Um, he, I guess he, he had a lot of uh, antisocial personality disorders. Or maybe uh, just one. It was unconclusive because he was only 14 years old, and um, the frontal cortex doesn't really um, is not really able to be, uh, I guess, tested until you're in your early 20s or formed until your early 20s fully. So that was a very interesting thing. Um, another thing that I found that was that was pretty interesting about this that he showed zero remorse for the crime. The officer asks him when he's being interrogated, do you, um, do you regret what happened today? And he says, no, no, I do not. But you can see it's not even the coldness, but he's discussing how he just murdered, you know, a few hours before his best friend in the bathroom at school, but he's talking about it casually as he is, you know, his mother purchasing his gloves, um, you know, the blood on, blood on his shirt. He wanted to go back and get some rings because one of his rings had fallen off. The, the officer says, would, would the ring be an identifying object? And they said, he said, yes. Um, they would specifically and definitely know me by the rings. And the rings had value to him. So I found it very interesting that he found that the rings had value, but someone's life, Jaime Gall, his life didn't have any value. So that was really um, disturbing.
and it's a very interesting case. Um, Michael Hernandez, though, the conclusion, I guess, well, before the conclusion, is that Michael Hernandez passed away in 2001. He died at the age of 31 in jail, in prison, maximum security prison, after spending 17 years. Well, technically, he spent 13 years behind bars, four years in juvenile uh, detention hall. He died, though, of a heart attack from morbid obesity. So um, the parents of Jaime Gall said that he sympathized with Michael's parents because they understood what it was like to lose a child and that they weren't fulfilled or happy because of his death. You know, it, it was not any closure for them, for them or anything of that nature. So, um, so yeah, if you if you have some time or more interested, please check out the case of Michael Hernandez, the murder of Jaime Gall. The case of Michael Hernandez is a tragic and disturbing tale of a young life marred by violence and the devastating consequences it's inflicted upon the victim's family, the community, and himself. And while while it's very challenging to understand, to fully understand the motivations behind his actions, the case underscores the need for continued efforts to address mental health issues, enhance school safety, and support troubled youth to prevent these atrocities. I'm having tongue ties. To prevent these atrocities in the future. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about the the case of of Jaime Gaw or the death of Jaime Gaw. Um very sad. Very sad. And I hope that we can get into some more cases um not just like this, but uh different cases in the future, maybe some mystery cases. Um, I don't want to bring everyone down all the time, but this place is called The Dark Place. So we are giving you uh, stories that are fairly dark. So with that being said, thank you for listening tonight. And you can check out this podcast next Thursday which is going to be airing on air on 88.7 WMMT. Make sure to tune in Friday at 10 p.m. for Real Talk and at 11 p.m. for The Other People's Show. That's on 92.5 WLSD The Vault. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, bringing you more of The Dark Place. I'm Adam. Have a good night.